It's always good to have disk space. It's always good to have disk. It's always good to have disk space. So, yes. otherwise, what happens is that you run out. And we have so many important, great things to say today. It would be a shame if they were not recorded for future generations. Why don't you just spin your head over? <laughs> no, no, because the problem is, is the head, is the headphones are going into channels, oh, left and right, uh, and so you guys are in this. Oh, so year. we should have switched seats, so you weren't getting confused. No, 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 just making sure that everything's good. So. Okay, that's all. Where did Angela sit when she was here? She was right there, oh, okay. by the computer, where oh. it precariously could have got beer spilled on it, <laughs> or, or rock star. <laughs> more, more tragically, rock. See, you can, it's sad that we've started rules. You've, you've got the ability to get beer out of a computer because I've done that before. But getting rock star is the sweet, sticky, syrupy. You see, Susan doesn't know what all these power drinks are. She goes, what the hell is rock? What does she keep saying rock star for? What the hell is, what the hell is a rock star? <laughs> yeah, it's what Angela was drinking. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. How does this show start? Uh, you say something usually. I know. I usually say something. You've got something written down. Do. Yeah, don't you have that uh, op- pat- opening patter where you hit the, hit the button and then bing, beer school all over uh, the time? No, that's... that's 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 post production. Yeah, that, there's a little oh, bit of post. Oh, I see. There, there is just a little bit of post that, that happens. Oh. Uh, so I see Motor's got his notes ready to go. His classroom notes. Yes. All right. In three, two, one. You're listening to Beer School. We're here to help you and your friends learn to like more than one kind of beer. There's lots of beers to like. Some are made right down the street from where you live, and others have to travel halfway around the world just to get to you. Learn why beer tastes like it does, how other styles came about, and all the nouns that you might use to describe what you're tasting. The We're best getting closer to the right answer. No. <laughs> We're the we, verbs. We need an English teacher. <laughs> but we don't have an English teacher on the show. But well, oh, we can get one. We I should know. get one. We, we will. The best part about beer school is the homework. The homework is beer. What was our homework last week? The homework from last week was to drink the uh, beer, to do beer, ber- the, to do beer versus beer in your own home. Ah, I remember that. Yeah, it was fun. No, that was that was uh, that was amazing science. Although we were a little bit off on that uh, real nasty old bottle of Budweiser. Oh, yeah, well, that's uh, that's porn and liquor for you. <laughs> but if it was science, it wouldn't be us doing the show. No. Well, we have to uh, we have to shout out to our new Australian listener who reminded us that Foster's is used for cleaning the Barbie and not not the not the American Barbie, you know, with the blonde hair and the uh, yes and the, and the you know the, who's oops, dating Ken who's dating Ken, right. And Skipper. <laughs> I thought she's doing and Skipper also? No, no, no. Uh, okay. She's well, bi-curious. Just, anyway. <laughs> so, so who are you? So I'm John Foster. And I'm Motor. And we have a guest, another guest in the uh, studio as it is today. Who do we kidnap this week, John? A brewer. <laughs> oh. Not just a brewer, but an assistant brewer. <laughs> That's title bloat. <laughs> <laughs> Because you really can't be an assistant brewer, because you you are a brewer. You are a brewer. You yes, are a brewer. you are. Yes, you do all the things that the brewer doesn't want to do. Then, and that would be like cleaning the mash tun. That would be like all the things running the brewery, so the brewer can go up and schmooze with the uh, bartenders and do the paperwork the government requires of us. Must be lots of things to fill out. Oh, lots, lots of things. Yes. And who knew that you know beer actually had homework that was besides that that was other than beer well it's all government approved so <laughs> all what government does the approved of fermento look like because so, we've uh, never been there <laughs> it's a uh, it's uh, stainless steel with claw marks from previous brewers who have tried to get through tried to make their way out but uh, failed and were sucked up into the, into the to the future brews <laughs> oh like in like in uh, Willy Wonka <laughs> the pump song <laughs> 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 So, uh, does, so it's, it's does our assistant brewer clean. have a name, or does he wish to remain anonymous? Oh, no, no, no. Or would you like a pseudonym? <laughs> well, my my, my uh, everybody called me Mac, so uh, okay. Mac or McHugh. So you can call me Mac or McHugh. All right, Mac or McHugh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I do brew in the Bay Area, and I am a real uh, assistant brewer, and I do get paid very little money. So that, that's the hallmark of an assistant brewer. That very is little true. Money. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't get tipped out, do you? I don't get tipped out, oh, no. I, People just say, I really like this beer, or... What I usually do is I, I get I get paid in, in, in beer that I can take home. So that's that's the hallmark oh, of a true Lord, assistant brewer. Sweet. Yes. Well, you get to drink what you make, and that that's got to feel good. I drink what I make. Yes, that's always always good. I mean, I I d- didn't always uh, appreciate the the beers that uh, that I make, but uh, now that I'm there and I drink them every day, and I taste them every day. It's a uh, it's a wonderful thing. Right on. Well, we have some beers in the studio today, guest beers, and this is sort of off of the off. The uh, the mission statement off the mission statement. The idea was accessible, interesting, palatable beers for the for the listener who probably hasn't had a lot of experience drinking weird beers, as they would say. True. And the idea was sprung on on the show by Motor, and he was like, "This is what we should do." He was really excited about it. So, Motor, <laughs> tell us tell us about what the show is going to be about today. The, the show, uh, after doing a couple of weeks of uh, trying to stay around beers that most people can get, this is uh, sort of the beers we love. The beer that w- was our epiphany, where he said, "Oh my God, th- this is interesting beer. I want to start trying to find more exciting stuff like that." It's sort of your favorite beer and the first beer that you ever fell in love with, right? So, the beer that was like the defining. Wait, I'm tasting things. This is the first love. This is this is the beer that like <laughs> that you sought out like every time after you got got to it. And there, so there were beers that I was drinking before I got to my Epiphany beer that I really liked. For example, um, Gordon Beersh Palo Alto. Um, I used to come to. I used to live in the, in. Uh, I used to live in Nebraska. And that's a long. Well, there you go. Just to get a beer. <laughs> there you go, John. That's... And I would. And I, would um, I, I had business in the Bay Area, so I would come out here and um, would try all these different microbreweries that were coming online at the time. And Gordon Beerish was, I don't know, probably a couple of years old by by the time um, of my travels. Anyway, I was at this party, and they actually had a keg of Gordon Beerish from. You know, like two blocks away, right from the original Gordon Beer Brewery. From the original yes. Gordon Beer Brewery, and they had the glassware to go with it. And this was a mind blow because a wait, you can get beer to go from a brewery, <laughs> and they'll provide the, the glassware. And it was it was an extraordinary experience. You know, from you know the kid in the Midwest to see that it's possible to you know go beyond, and then to find out that it was only like a hundred bucks for this keg, no more money than. What a keg of normal beer would cost, exactly. or something that or cost a hundred dollars, or something that cost a hundred dollars, <laughs> right? So, um, so Gordon Beers was like was one of those was one of those uh, uh, I don't know life changing events, especially you know holding the glass and going, wait a minute, I'm in a I'm at a party. I'm not at the brewery, and this so. is something that comes from right around some, here, and people yeah. actually make it right here, right next made, and, and everybody was like, "What's the big deal? Like we have this every day." I'm like. <laughs> I'm, you know, like, and and I he made, loaded up the truck and he moved to Beverly. Pretty much. <laughs> so it wasn't long after that that I moved out out to San Francisco, and had the same experience ever since. It's fun. Um, anyway, so these, so we don't have any Gordon beers in in the stuff that I brought. No, which is I don't uh, think so. And uh, but we'll do a show with the with that beer soon. Yeah, I could I could give the same sort of. Uh, talk about th- this beer that made me go wow that is not in my selection today because I sort of grew up my uh, my aunt and uncle had a German restaurant so we always had German beer around the house and then my cousins uh, would come with Anchor Steam uh, way long before for family gatherings have a little bit of that when I was in my teens and then they started showing up with this beer in gigantic 1.5 liter bottles from this little brewery that was making it up in Mendocino County and that was Red Tail Ale but the evolution of that beer over the last uh, what about 23 years now uh, it's changed I think the romantic version of these gigantic 1.5 liter bottles is how you got your beer and you know double the size of a wine bottle double the size of a lot of the big beer bottles you see now and you know having two of those bottles show up being brought down somebody who's coming in from out of town for holiday celebration that was a really really interesting beer well the 1.5 actually shows that the brewers being Lazy True. in the bottling process because it's because <laughs> it's about the same amount of time, time to bottle yes. a one point five as it is a as it is a a pint. 
Isn't that right, Mike? Well, that's why you have the assistant brewer doing that job. Yeah. That's the way you want to pay him too much money, so you want to go through the, the maximum amount of beer in each bottle. Right. So, uh, well, we talked about the Tom Sawyer effect last week. That's right. About slapping labels on bottles. It's <laughs> fun. Want to come into the brewery and put, help us label? Yeah. But, but that shows about you know the time when you were getting the 1.5 is that that was the brewer or the assistant brewer that was actually doing the bottling of that beer. Right, when it was still seat of your pants. Yeah. When you were inventing or uh, scrounging equipment to build your your little brewery, uh, working with old dairy equipment or old winemaking equipment, and sort of inventing the entire process. So you guys are so much younger than I am. I, I, Gordon Biersch, uh, Red, Red Tail Ale, it's like, uh, I, have, I go back a long a lot farther than that <laughs> with my epiphany beer. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I was, uh, I was there when uh, they were doing uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon in bottles for the first time. <laughs> Not really. But <laughs> PBR in a bottle would probably sell really well. And- and maybe does come in a Somebody bottle. used to go back to a screw used to top come in a bottle. Used to come in a bottle. A screw top tin can. How interesting. They make those now. Doesn't Coors come in that weird uh, aluminum bottle? We had the aluminum. Yeah. I, no, we, we don't uh, have the We didn't have the Coors? aluminum bottle on the show. Uh, Moose Drool comes in aluminum bottles. Cool. We have to get some Moose Drool on the show. And uh, yeah, other people have aluminum bottles. Yeah. But we have glass bottles yeah, today. Okay. I think so, all of our. So, what is our first? What, what is our first uh, epiphany beer? Our first epiphany beer. Uh, should we roll dice and see who goes first? I think let's yeah. just do that. Here we go. Oh, it's yeah. John. All right, John. So, reach into that <laughs> vat of uh, ice. It's actually a ghetto cooler. Uh, that's the one right there. Hey, hey, hey. So here we have uh, in the ghetto cooler, which is basically a box with ice. So again, and, you're so uh, much younger than I am, John. And, uh, uh, I'm, surpri- so I'm ashamed to I admit brought, it. Um, today I brought Bridgeport Brewing Company's IPA, India Pale Ale. And this is a... Shall we is, open? Yeah. This is an epiphany beer because this was really the first IPA that I discovered kind of accidentally because I didn't know really what the what the uh, IPA style was. It was just a cool name to, to, to try out. It was one of the other things on the list and I really just said, wow, I, I want to have more and more and more of this style of beer. So while we're all pouring our beer... Um, there are three of us, so I think so we'll be able to get around the all of us drinking at once problem exactly. that we had last week. So this is a darker... This is much darker... <laughs> beer than all the stuff that we've had on the show so far, with the exception of the Guinness. Um, this is probably well, here's the the reference. So we have a, a in the book. Yeah, we have oh. post-it notes that really resemble the color of this. And you can do the side by side. You can see that this is really dark uh, or almost orange brown color. Um, or for the medical profession, you can always uh, uh Compare it to uh, urine tests, you know, <laughs> turbidity, clarity, uh, the color, uh, dehydration level, uh, all that sort of thing. Actually, I was thinking we go over and grab the uh, the Pantone fan book over there and figure out which Pantone <laughs> oh, cover the beer is. <laughs> See, this is this is one thing you don't know about beer school is uh, we really stay away from the science. But uh, since we both deal with graphics. Uh, getting a Pantone book, and for those people who don't know at home, Pantone—it's sort of like when you go to the paint store and you get those uh, those cards with the different color paints on them. Pantone is a standard color reference for people who work in print and on the internet, and so you can look through this book and figure out what Pantone color the beer is, and then you can reference that. John has an answer. Seven four one one C. Seven four one C. Is that coded or uncoded? Actually, I read that wrong. No, no, I, I got the wrong one. It's 7412C, which is coded. Does that have RGB values? Or yeah, it uh, does. 205-122-49. Excellent. HTML is uh, CD7A31. I think we just... This is... <laughs> Listeners, this is a groundbreaking moment in the world of beer school. I think we just defined another standard. Oh, this is a cool standard. You can use a Pantone book to, to match colors. As, as my wife, who is a nurse, would, would say, this person's fairly healthy, except they, no infection, but they're slightly dehydrated. <laughs> We're not using that as a standard. I'm sorry. As, as possibly accurate as that, that, that is. Well, I'm not a nurse, so I don't know. So, uh, Isn't there a joke where the uh, punchline, I don't remember the joke, but punchline is you're fine, sir, but your horse has... <clears throat> All right. <laughs> <laughs>
your horses are going to die. Um, so let's see, we have an IPA. And I'm not going to tell the IPA story today because uh, that's a job for a different professor. I think, I think Bridgeport IPA, and I could be wrong, used to be called Bridgeport Pintail. I would know. Um, Either, the, either, was, either, either that or the, or the ESB was was Pintail. I used to I used to love Pintail. Pintail I used to love was Pintail great. Too. Yes. I think I, we'll have to uh, leave that to the listeners to get on their their internet connections and uh, use the Google machine to figure that one out. What 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 did Pintail from Bridgeport evolve into? Bridgeport is one of the old uh, organ micros, yeah. the first or second. Mm-hmm. First or second. So the other thing that, about this is this used to have a different label, and this has got an actual bridge on it now, and it doesn't have the the, um, the graphic, but it used to be that all the Bridgeport stuff had birds. Birds on it, right. yes. And so I, I specifically remember getting this beer because I thought the bird was cool. <laughs> it was this. It was this tall crane, you know, long legs and and uh, <clears throat> long, long leg, legs and brains. Was that that bird? Not that kind of bird. I have a. Uh, I've got a bunch of T-shirts from Bridgeport, and uh, one is if you've been to Portland, there are, uh, a river runs through the middle of town, the Willamette River, and there are a lot of bridges crossing the river. And on the label of Bridgeport, it's the St. John's Bridge, but they have one that on the back has all the bridges of Portland down the back of the t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I also have another one that um, my friend covets deeply because you can't get it anymore. Uh, the front is a crinkled bottle cap sort of spinning through the air, and it says, Flip the Bird. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, this is this is an IPA that I would describe as a, as a IPA 101. It's not very hoppy, and it doesn't have a lot of the characteristics. No, but it's nicely uh, balanced. It's, it's, it's very balanced. It's got a good balance to it. But it doesn't have that extreme nice, hot nice bite. Nice mouthfeel. It doesn't have that no. extreme hot bite that other IPAs have uh, have become. Well, this is sort of more the base that everybody took off and ran with. Uh, we might be tasting another IPA or IPA-like beer later on that falls in the same category that some people now who are you know asserting themselves as being Mr. Hophead go, that's not an IPA. Right. Well, and you have to remember that there's the style of IPA, the original... Uh, as defined by the English, which is um, which is a, a style or a, a, the way that they made it, it's probably very close to this. Yeah. Um, the West Coast IPA, that they should call WIPA or WCIPA, but it's a whippa snapper. It's a whippa. <laughs> yeah. It's so. It, it's basically they're trying to build a beer, a beer that's bigger, bigger, bigger. So more hops, more malt, more. Of these flavor characteristics, the a country. higher wetness a factor, a higher wetness factor, to the point where you basically are drinking a hundred and forty or a hundred and fifty IBU beer, which is it's wonderful, but uh, it's, it's not a not a beer you're going to drink uh, three or four of at one time. No, it's, it's a it's a beer you can have like once with uh, a meal, perhaps, but uh, you're not going to drink it. Uh, you're not going to drink a six pack of uh, hundred and forty IBU beer. You'll be you'll be blind. <laughs> it's going to wear your mouth out. It wears yeah, your mouth out very and, fast. And that's the, so there's a factor that comes with this, and I actually have asked this question on more than one occasion: is is it possible to get hopped out? Where oh yeah, where oh, you, yes. where you oh, yes. had so much hoppy beer in in a day that you're just like, All right, I can't. That uh, you reek of hops. Yeah. That you're sweating hops <laughs> after just, drinking this beer. It's just like you can't even taste hops. You've had so much hops. I mean, that, I'm a, you know, I'm a hoppy beer fan, but uh, I have to admit that. Uh, all the beer festivals I go to, the IPA festivals, double IPA festivals, it's like you can only have four or five double IPAs, a two-ounce, three-ounce portion, and uh, after that, it's like it all tastes the same. It's yeah. like I'm, I consider myself a pretty well-versed palate as, as far as beer is concerned, but uh, after four or five double IPAs, what's, it's, it's hard to tell what's going on. We found that out at the double IPA fest at Hayward at the Bistro, mm-hmm. that after a point, Wow, I'm I'm done. Well, if, also, if nothing else, the the alcohol takes over, and you, yeah, uh, well, you, you you're no longer you're no, yeah. you're no longer an accurate judge of your own self. Exactly. <laughs> well, so I, part so this is a we've we've changed, and we need to describe what a double IPA is. So okay. double IPA. So this is just a normal old IPA. This is the beer that is probably sixty IBUs. Fifty sixty. Fifty sixty. Um, which is in the range, and it defines the style. Um, this is uh, five and a half on the alcohol, which is a bit low by the standards of West Coast IPAs, mm-hmm. um, which normally run 
in at seven 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 percent yeah somewhere around there um that's fine but a double ipa is double the hops and double everything else and so it runs at 90 to 110 ibus ibus yes and um you need to go back to the first show uh to understand what I be stand for. You're not going to use. That's the thing. You know, I be you, you be me. Remember that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> once we once we've defined it, you kind of don't need to talk about it again. What that means. But the idea is is that this beer is made bigger. It's made bolder, and and it's basically the brewer trying to one up the other brewer mm-hmm. in uh, in in finding balance and stuff uh, stuff. Well, now therein, I mean, balance and stuff. Well, now therein awesome. lies the key. Balance, balance to me is the whole thing. I mean, you can have as many IBUs as you want. You can have as much malt as you want. But uh, if the malt doesn't balance the IBUs, you're, you know, you're, it's, it's the beer's not complete. It needs to be something that, that melds in your mouth uh, appropriately, not something that you're. Oh, that's all hops or that's all malt. Um, it, it needs to be something that melds appropriately. The malt needs to match the hops and vice versa. Although the only problem I see with uh, West Coast IPAs these days is that uh, more people are concentrating on on hops and less on malt. Exactly, like uh, hop salad. Yeah, you're not supposed to make that face. What face? <laughs> or this, just, is, this is podcasting. People can't you know, see exactly. my face. <laughs> Plus, we know those people. We do know those people. <laughs> uh, you know, was hop salad just a mistake, or do they? No, I think it was. I I know that I like the more grapefruity flavors in in hoppy beers rather than the bitter flavors. Right. And so my reaction is to that to the bitter, the more bitter uh, flavored IPAs, where I prefer the the big fruity grapefruity ones, like which the, is like Bridgeport. Yeah, this has got a hint of grapefruit in in its taste, um, or like um, the beer that was at Magnolia, the Promise, Promise Land. Land. Promise Land was like eating a grapefruit. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was it was really yummy, but that was a beer that you could have one of because after you had one, your taste buds are blown out because you've had this big big beer and you don't really realize what it's doing to what you're tasting. You almost have to go down the street get a big burrito and eat all the hot sauce <laughs> to to really cleanse your your uh, your palate. All right, so what's up? What's up on our? I'm little... thinking we can do a little compare and contrast. Excuse me. Um, with this beer next. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, the next beer that's mm-hmm. coming out is one of my two beers. I should drink faster, I guess. Huh? It's uh, <coughs> it's Liberty Ale, brewed by the venerable Anchor Brewing Company of San Francisco, California. I drove right by there on my way to get ice. You know, we could probably we all drive right almost, by there every day. We could probably almost see it out the window from here. Probably, except the blinds are down. Um, Liberty. Dates from 1975. Um, it's got to make it like one of the oldest IPA styles. Well, this was before, I think, if you go to the Anchor site, they don't even really say IPA. But this is really sort of the first IPA. I believe they started this in 1976 in anticipation of the 200th anniversary of the United States. That's right here. I'm sorry, Motor. I see your thunder. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go you ahead. know, I spent all this time to write, <laughs> to take down all these notes and research this. It was actually brewed in commemoration of the ride of Paul Revere. I have and so much useless information in my head. I'm sorry, Motor. Since we all went to, uh, since we all went to uh, American school and we learned so much about our own history, we all know when that was. 1975, April 18th, which is a day before the uh, big holiday here in San Francisco. That's the anniversary of the San Francisco earthquake. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, this is a dry hopped, hoppy beer, um, and is roughly an IPA, but a lot of people won't say that because it's not as over the top as current IPAs. But I really like this beer. I like it too. Uh, It's one of my favorites. A a couple of times when I've been traveling in Belgium after about three days, I will start shouting out to just random people, I would kill for a Liberty (laughs) Ale right now. I would kill for this beer. And I remember walking toward the, the main square. There's a big beer store, and in the window they had a poster of Liberty Ale. I walked in, they go, do you have Liberty Ale? No, we have Anchor. We just have this poster. But uh, Liberty, I would say, depending on where you are, you might be able to find this. It makes it uh, a lot of places around the world. I've had it on draft in London. I know it goes to Japan and the Netherlands. Uh, and in I think it's in all 50 states now. Uh, may not be at your local gas station, but uh, 
It's an easy beer to find and it's nice and hoppy. Before the uh, floods, there was a little dive bar that I frequent quite often when I go to New Orleans. And uh, their thing is they only have New Orleans style or New Orleans beers on, on, on tap. They have the Abita beer, they have the Dixie beer, and uh, other beers that claim to be from, from Louisiana or New Orleans. And the funny thing is on every Wednesday they have Liberty Ale for $2 a bottle. Wow. <laughs> so needless but to say... That's less than I paid for the six-pack. Needless to say, I would uh, frequent this uh, establishment uh, to get the... Uh, New Orleans style beers uh, Monday through Thursday, but Wednesday, Tuesdays or Wednesdays, when I, whenever they had the special, I would go down and have a two dollar Liberty Ale. People thought I was crazy having a California beer in New Orleans, but uh, two dollars a bottle. I remember going into a into a pub in London, and this was their guest beer, and I was so happy to find it. Um, it's a great beer. It's a, it's not over the top hoppy. It's got everything together. It's got a nice head. It looks pretty. It's got a very uh, unique color because John is still working through the fan book. Oh, I think that might be a winner. Here it is. <clears throat> Pantone 158PC, whatever PC means. But and what, what is RGB? Well, yeah, see, it's CMYK on this one. Oh, CYMK? Yeah. So the only, only complaint I, I prefer to work in the CYMK space rather than RGB because I've came up in print um uh c is zero m is 64 y is 95 and k is zero so just m and y in that color yes magenta and yellow we're going to teach you a little bit about graphic design throughout the show if you listen between the words so this is not a not hoppy at all, like uh, the Bridgeport. No, but it's hot. You can taste no, no, the hops. No, you, can you can taste, taste the, hops, the hops, but I mean, it doesn't have that. No, doesn't have that bitter. Doesn't have that bite yeah, to it. You, no, you, you don't, you don't bitey, get that bite. It's not a bitey IPA, which I think makes it go well with all foods. I mean, I could you could drink Liberty Ale with uh, a burrito, uh, pasta, uh, fish, anything. You can drink Liberty IPA. You could have an IPA, or you could uh, drink an IPA with the Liberty Ale. You could, yes, <laughs> you could. But does it go with chocolate milk? <laughs> no. It might Nothing go with chocolate, with... though. A nice, a nice milk chocolate. Sure. Yeah. Like maybe. A, like a. Uh, maybe it needs to be a bit maltier. However, if we uh, if we're talking about uh, inroads and trends in, in beer making, which I don't want to follow, um, there's a uh, bilk coming out in Japan right now, where they had an overabundance of milk, so the government tried to get beer makers to make beer out of milk, and some of the brave crazy souls did and they have marketed it as bilk b-i-l-k which is a, a a beer made from basically milk and added yeast to it and they've made a beer out of it and they marketing it toward pregnant women <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to have like a, a pantone color of uh, I, I haven't seen it, I've, only, it I, uh, I've got it i can give you the cymk it's probably it gonna, it's probably going to be uh warm gray one c <laughs> which is uh rgb value of uh 224 uh, 222 the only, 216 The only picture I've seen of it uh, in the bottle is, is, is colored white so you can't see the beer inside right. <laughs> Well how would you introduce color to it without, without artificially coloring it? I have it? no idea I have no idea so we, have a, any, we have a question from last any, week's show that maybe you can answer uh, Would beer change color as it ages? Yes it does Ah, only because I didn't think it would. I think so, John, we I owe you a dollar. We noticed that in the in when we were doing the taste of um, the Budweiser. The, the Budweiser beer changes colors at two times. It changes colors in the the boil because obviously you're boiling off water, which uh, when you have boil off water, you're going to have the residual contents, which are going to make the beer darker. Uh, also, the uh, Maillard reaction takes place when you're boiling the beer, which uh, is the same reaction that makes bread turn brown in your oven. Uh, adding heat to anything that has carbohydrates in it changes the color of the carbohydrates over time. So if you boil a beer longer, uh, it makes the beer darker. If you boil off more liquids, it makes the beer darker. Also, in the fermentation, uh, you're you're losing a little bit of liquid in the fermentation. So you actually your beer going into fermentation will be a little lighter than it is coming out of fermentation. Would it, though, once it's in the bottle, change colors at ages? Uh, it may because of the mired reaction, but that would be because of light striking it, and that might not be a good thing. This all makes sense because we had a really, when we were doing our, our can versus bottle, uh, there was a very old Budweiser. Uh, Budweiser sent the cops out to Port and Liquor on 3rd Street. Uh, 
it was what September was the born on yeah, date September, and um, tasting that against the can, the can was nice. The bud and the bottle was unpleasant. They were different colors. That would be because uh, the light striking it more than likely. Once it's in the bottle or the can, it's going to be distributed to. It's going to be uh, subject to heat and light, and that would be but the it reason. Was in the fridge. It was in the fridge, but maybe it's maybe the maybe the uh, light is light is light. Whether it's fluorescent or whether it's uh, from from the sun, it makes no difference. Light is light. Every time you open that refrigerator door, yeah, yeah. light strikes oh, it. <laughs> so keep your refrigerator door closed, John. So the Liberty Ale has an interesting brewing process because. It's in and it's top fermented in a, basically an open open vat. open fermenter yep. yes, which is very strange but uh, it works it works which is the way that all um, all the anchor brewers um, are considered to be what an offshoot of what's called uh, California Common Beer, which was the beer that the f- the miners made because they only had open containers and they would throw the yeast or they would throw the the, the malted uh, barley in and let the yeast from the environment take over from the ocean from the ocean which is the same yeast that makes the sourdough bread uh in 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 the bay area all all the way up to alaska and they would allow this to ferment and that way they would strain it off and that was what they what they drank and in open open vats and uh anchor brewing utilizes the same situation today in a sterile fairly sterile room but once you uh, have introduced the 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 yeast and the uh, the yeast uh, head builds up, then it's pretty much sterile underneath, yeah. Yeah. and it's okay. You can walk in and take it's, a look at it. It's actually pretty cool because it's, it's very cool. It, look, it looks like a giant bathtub. Yes, yeah, like a pool, a like pool. a swimming pool. Yeah. You could actually go. You swim. jump in. I've always <laughs> go swimming in that beer. Every time I've taken that tour, I'm like, I want to go bathe in that. <laughs> I think they should do that. I wonder if Fritz has ever done that, taken a lady, thrown her in the old fermenter. <laughs> hey, sweetie, maybe that's how they came up with the Bach. It's much more interesting. Uh, that's that's a very interesting tour because uh, again, you get to, in most tours you see the fermenters. They're stainless steel. They're nice and they're beautiful. In this fermenter, we have beer that's going on and it's it's great and wonderful. But at Anchor Brewing, you can actually see it. You can actually see what's happening in the fermenter. It's, and then, it's wonderful. They've got the screen door between the hallway and the and the fermenters, and you yes. see it's just gigantic foamy, uh, large shallow pans of foam. It's great. You can actually see what's going on. When most, most breweries, you can't really see what's going on. You have to take, take their word for it. They can be showing you an empty fermenter and say, well, there's from beer fermenting in there, but you don't know for sure. Uh, but so at, would, at you Anchor, could, you can see it. You could know for sure. Because if you have the hose coming down from the loft tube, going into the bucket, well, you set a hose and true. blow off. <laughs> <laughs> can, you say that? can you say that in the same sentence, John? The hose and blow off? I'll take the, 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 the period in between. I just did say it. <laughs> I just did say be two, <laughs> two separate paragraphs for, for safety's sake. Comma. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going in the best of show. I can But yes, I, can I understand that. that. <laughs> I, understand, I understand the concept, John. Yes, exactly. You're right. You can always tell if something's going on in the fermenter because well, there's, but, but, there's but, carbon dioxide escaping. Yes. But the normal person, you know, being told, yeah, there's beer in there, may not know. Wouldn't that, know. Would not yeah, know. They wouldn't know. No. Hopefully my digging around in here isn't making too much noise. I was uh, thinking ahead to what our next beer should be, and we actually probably blew it, or I blew it at the beginning, because uh, I've got a beer that's relatively delicate. <laughs> Don't! That probably well, I, have, be I have two. My, my first beer, my epiphany beer, is a little delicate, because, again, you guys are much younger than I, and you guys started off with beers that were fairly hoppy. I and we have more delicate features. Was, was very light and, 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 and hoppy. Well, you know, and so while we're still talking about the Anchor steam, the story that I have about Anchor is that I was in a, a bar in Omaha, Nebraska, called the Dubliner. And I was going through my hundred beers, my, my, my beer tour card, you know, drink beers from all around the world, get a punch, and eventually <laughs> you're going to get your glass and you can hang, you know. Spend $400 and we'll give you a $12 exactly, t-shirt. Right. We're going to give you this glass. You can write your name on it, whatever you want, and then we'll hang it up on the thing. You can always drink out of that glass from, from then on. And then I figured out that later on that this pint glass, uh-huh. no matter where I am, that's my glass. So I'm like, okay, why? why? I don't need to buy this stupid glass. But anyway, we were going, th- you know, we were we were going through the punch card, and we got to this thing, and it said, Anchor Steam. Okay, and that's uh, a silly name for a that's beer. A silly name silly for name. a beer. So we ordered up the Anchor Steam, and it came in these bottles, you know, distinct bottle. Like, okay, I've never seen a bottle quite like this. This is pretty cool, and. 
the label on the bottle was not like this at all. It was this big, you know, extra thick, puffy piece of mm -hmm. uh, paper. And the way that it looked, it was almost like an like a watercolor. Uh huh. The way that uh, that label was. Well, this one has sort of uh, the shiny goldness to where yeah. it says Anchor Brewing. Right. They've added. Oh, right. They added a, a gold leaf onto the onto the logo. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, we pour the beer in the glasses, and we're you know we taste it, and we're like, ah, oh, this isn't. I, I, I had no words. <laughs> There's a party in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. I had no words. What's going we, on? We were drinking all these things from you know. From Belgium and Czechoslovakia and and you know who knew if it was good or bad. You had Fosters and Moosehead. Yeah, and, and at the time, you know, when a, this, keep in mind, this is you know pre Epiphany beer. This is just a beer that like turned the corner for me. Like this is what I should be tasting. This is what I should be drinking because this is an incredible moment. You know because it was it didn't travel all the way around the world. It came from San Francisco, mm -hmm. and Drink they only local. and the thing was they only had six of them. <laughs> so we ordered them, and then we ordered it again, and they're like, you know, you, we drank, you, you drank it all. We like, have to wait another two we weeks until the truck exactly. comes by. <laughs> and, uh, Actually, I heard in keeping with tradition, Anchor is only shipped in ice-chilled refrigerated boxcars. Good for them. Yes. That's what they say. <laughs> so, That's what they say. So the thing was is that we couldn't get the label off that bottle. You know, so we, we'd been able to get labels off all the other bottles for the, you know, the beer diary of, of uh, you know, our, our 100 Punch World Tour. We couldn't get the label off because the way they use the glue and the paper and the whole thing, that label was not supposed to come off. Anchor took your beer virginity. <laughs> Actually, no. You could anchor. no longer get a label off to, a bottle. Exactly. To, to anchor. anchor. To anchor. Now, I don't take any steam away from uh, from uh, Fritz Maytag uh, to steal a pun there, but uh, in most uh, other countries besides the United States, they put labels on with milk. They soak the labels in milk and they attach that to the bottle. And the milk, as it dries, because of the lactose, creates a little bond there. The idea being that when the bottle comes back to you, because European because have been into uh, re recycling a lot longer than we have. Mm -hmm. When the bottle comes back to you, it's much easier to get the label off, because you can just soak it in water and it comes right off, and you can go back to bottling the beer and, and the next round of uh, bottles that come back to you. In this country, we have such a thing as marketing value or as image product value, so that people don't like their labels to come off easily. And Fritz, again, was a pioneer in that. You, know, you, it's, you have to pry the labels off of his bottles to get them off. Uh, the idea being that uh, he want, wherever his, his bottle goes, he wants you to know it came from his, his brewery. Yeah. Well, this distinct bottle shape, you know, the cap, the way... You know, this is interesting, too. This is a twist-off. When did they go to that? Oh, that sort of depresses me. A few years ago, <laughs> yes. Everybody, everybody's gone to, everybody's, almost everybody's gone to twist-offs now. You know, as I sit around and drink it out of the bottle, it's not the same beer because it doesn't feel the same on my lower lip. I'm used to, you know, one big bulge, and there are a bunch of little ridges now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're not <laughs> supposed to drink the beer out of the bottle anyway, so who cares? It's okay. In 20 years, we'll all be doing So I'm going to do the uh, side-by-side. Twist, side. twist tops gonna, anyway. Uh, I just finished my Liberty Ale, and I've got a bit of uh, Bridgeport still. Oh. I'm going to do the, the taste. Hey. Mm. Yeah, you know what? There's, it is two dis distinct styles. Yes, the it Bridgeport is. definitely has grapefruit, whereas the Liberty has just you know it's a very balanced, very you know one, an, another another IPA one hundred and one. Yeah, you know it's like this is a stepping stone into that land of uh, being a hophead. And you know, putting, putting all the IPAs together in a in a proper order could take a lot of time <clears throat> for uh, us for us to well, we actually have to put research into this and think about it ahead of time and no 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 run the flight we can do that. We can do anything. Well, know, but no, no, we we can do the show that we do at City Beer. Uh huh. Because we're going to do a show from there. We're, they have all the IPAs, so we can just go and record the show, and we can have the twelve or fifteen IPAs. It's a mind. I'm holding my cranium. <laughs> it's like fifteen IPAs. Um, uh, we can do that show there, and well, you'd do have that to case. you'd have to find. It's one thing to do IPAs, but you'd have to then. You have all the uh, microbreweries and beers across the world that market their beers as something else, right. but they still have as many IBUs as the average American uh, 
India Pale Ale. So you would have to, uh, to do justice to it, you would have to find the IBU level of all of these beers and then um, taste them side by side. Because, again, Liberty Ale does not anchor, – Anchor Brewing does not uh, – market their Liberty Ale as an IPA. They market it as, a, as, as an ale. And so you, but even though it stands up to other IPAs, you would not uh, find Liberty or in, um, Anchor Brewing marketing it as an IPA. All right, we're going to switch gears here. For the listeners at home, uh, in the uh, last 30 seconds, John and I have been making a lot of si- silent pantomime to yeah. one another. High five. Because we're really, really excited like, about this next this year. This is cool. So... <laughs> I only so, brought two. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I only brought two. I misjudged the instructions. No, no. It's <laughs> awesome that we have this. So we have... I have in my See how much, you, how much older I am than you guys? No, but this is exciting <laughs> because this is, in, this, is, this is also an epiphany beer in some small It is. Small it was way. for me. It oh, was for it me. Compl- it it is completely was when big I was one, in college. Let's not me. ever name this beer. No, that, that's a bad idea. I remember when I was starting college, this was everybody else's epiphany beer. Yeah. Um, and it, it, they've they've updated the label a bit. Yes, they have. It's, it's unfortunately, not, it's not quite so uh, old timey. Old timey. The name is bigger. You have to make the name big for shelf recognition space. Again, when you're fighting for market share. But you know what? It's it's. I'm happy that they're that a this company is still sticking with the style, even though all of, all of beer. It's chasing other things. These guys are still doing what they do. Well, there's so much good news and bad news b- behind this beer. You know, and should, should, we, should we name the beer or not? Yeah, yeah. So I'm holding in my hand. Henry, Let's make people guess. Oh, you said it. I said it. <laughs> Henry, actually, this could have been the beer that was unnamed. We could have just gone on and on. So this is Henry Weinhardt's Private Reserve. Yes, exactly. This Usually only over in Little Oregon until 1978, but now it's available uh, pretty much all across the world. And it too comes in a screw top, unfortunately. But Every, uh, yeah, this is always coming in a screw top. No, didn't I? I remember when it came in a top, you had to use a opener for John. That's how much older I am. Than well, but every beer had an opener at one point. I suppose so. But you just cracked the glass on a rock. But uh, eighteen fifty-six. How the Cowboys this, drink. These guys have been around for one hundred and fifty years. Eighteen fifty-six to two thousand and six. Two thousand seven. But this is the late fifty one. I know, but that's probably from, from last is, year. This is an old beer. The turnover is not as great as it used to be. <laughs> the thing I well, like about so, tell us, tell us your Henry story. Well, up until this time, um, this is nineteen. Go back to nineteen seventy eight. Uh, prior to that time, I was a Reunion Lambrusco kind of guy because uh, my grandfather had introduced me to beer in, when I was like eight or nine years old, giving me a, na- a, a taste of unnamed beer that I won't, I won't taste here, won't even, won't even mention here. Watermelon wheat? Uh, no, it wasn't even that. <laughs> Before that even. And at that point, even as a eight, nine, ten-year-old, I thought, who would want to put that in their mouth? Whatever he gave me, I don't want to put that in my mouth. So obviously I was turned away from beer until I was um, a little older and a little more independent. Uh, when I married my first wife, uh, we were into wines. Uh, Reunita Lambrusco, that was our, our, our wine of choice. One night uh, when we were vegetarians, her parents took us out to the Good Earth in One Sunnyvale, California. We Which Good Earth? <laughs> Good Earth in Sunnyvale, California. Oh, Sunnyvale. Remember the Good yeah. Earth? Remember the Good Earth? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, is there used to be one in Berkeley. No, it's gone. One of the Good Earths, uh, the Good Earth in, in Santa Rosa became Third Street Ale Works. Yes, it did, yes. And the one in Berkeley now is a Chinese restaurant or Indian restaurant. Yeah. So, so goes the time. Sort of fitting. But uh, anyway, we were there one night, and I... One they didn't have wine on the list, so I was ready to order a wine, and they didn't have wine on the list. They had tea or they had beer. So being uh, fairly alcoholic uh, appropriate person i said well okay i'll look i'll have a beer so they had i'll have a beer because tea doesn't have alcohol they had exactly (laughs) tea no thanks i'm having beer they had (laughs) they had domestic beers which are all the beers that i had had as a child and did not like and then they had premium beer side which was there's only one beer on the premium beer side it's henry weinhardt's private reserve i said well it's got four names and it's premium so it must be pretty damn good (laughs) so i'll have a bottle of that and when i tasted it it was like the, the 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 restaurant was a little dim, and it was dark outside. But there was like a, everything was light all of a sudden. It's like this is what I have thought beer should taste like. Even as a a young child, this was what beer should have tasted like when I was eight or nine years old. When my grandfather foisted his first taste of beer upon me, this is what it should have been like. Um, this is 
a wonderfully crafted beer. It's light. It's mellow. It's got a flavor to it. It's got backbone. Very little hops, but it's perfectly put together. And to this day, even though I, I still claim that it doesn't taste exactly the same as it did when I had that 1978. But how could it? Because you've, you've grown up. Exactly. Well, exactly. You're ruining your palate with sprouts exactly. and, and twigs I know, and good I, earth. But <laughs> this is still, to me, the, the premier entry-level beer. Anybody who's looking for what beer should be like on every level, this is it. Don't be put off by its inexpensiveness. No, 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 no! It's it's, it's a wonderful beer, no. for the price. The price well, point is, is price incredibly point is, great. It's incredible because it's like you can get like a twelve nine, pack. It's like nine bucks for a twelve. You get a twelve pack. pack of this for what you pay for a six pack. Of everything else, yeah. yeah. And um, so on the Pantone scale, it's a one forty two C. RGB is two thirty nine. 180 or 8 18971 and the html numbers are EFBD4 Well a quirky story about uh, Henry Weinhardt is when they in the 60s and 70s when they were losing to the market cuz they they were never a microbrewery they were a regional brewery much like uh, out of Portland out of Portland much like Miller used to be uh, a regional brewery they were they were not worldwide but they were a four or five state area they were a regional brewer they weren't a microbrewer by any shot of the imagination. But when they started losing market share to all the big boys in the 60s and 70s, they said, well, what can we do? We can redress ourselves as a microbrew. So let's go that route. So microbreweries taking off uh, in the 70s and 80s. Let's, let's, let's do that. So they remarketed themselves as a microbrew beer, only available in Oregon. If you remember all the commercials where you can't get this outside of Oregon, you see these guys traveling to Denver bringing back uh, Henry Weinhardt. Making, making fun of Californians. <laughs> Henry Weinhardt from... Their marketing, their marketing campaign became making fun of Californians. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't get this anywhere outside of, of, of Portland, Oregon. So people would travel to Portland, Oregon to get this beer. Uh, they remarketed themselves as a microbrew for a, a long time. Uh, because ales at that time were the microbrewed beers, they, when, even though it says Henry Weinhardt's Private Reserve on the label, people started calling it Henry Weinhardt's Ale. And they didn't discourage that because they didn't want it to be known as something that would not sell. Even though in, in the literature, uh, prior to that, it's known as a Pilsner. So it's technically a lager, but most of us don't know that about Henry Weinhardt's. So it's technically a lager beer, uh, but most of us think of it as, as an ale. I, you know, losers. This is bunch, <laughs> bunch of losers. But it's a German beer. It's a, it's a perfectly crafted example of a German beer because Henry Weinhardt used to be known as Blitz Weinhardt before Weinhardt bought out Blitz and uh, tried to revamp themselves as a as a, as a microbrewed beer. It used to be known as Blitz Weinhardt, which is definitely a German name. And this is a, this is a beer that has is no longer coming out of the same place it came out of. It comes out no. of uh, the Full Sail Brewery. It comes out of Hood, Oregon right now. It's, it's actually, it's it's very interesting. The the, wine, the Blitz Weinhardt Brewery occupies a, uh, or occupied a very significant space in downtown Portland that you couldn't miss if you were driving through town. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably five or six years ago, it finally uh, moved out of town. And the strange thing is, it's now being brewed by what was originally a small micro about... 100 miles east uh, down the Columbia River at Full Sail that now brews the uh, the Henry Weinhardt's beer. And the Henry Weinhardt's brewery that I was lucky enough to take a couple of tours of before it disappeared, um, they had the greatest tour. They had The guy who led the tour was probably 110 years old. Exactly. Uh, and when you were all done, you went to the old tasting room. It was a very mm-hmm. traditional brewery. Uh, one of the things I love, they did a lot of contract brewing. And they had this big control panel with a, a it's like an old-time TV dial where there are all these settings with different initials for the settings. And so you saw HW, and you could sort of try to guess what the different things. And some of the uh, – uh, there was one that said SA. Uh, if you think quietly for a second, you'll figure out what they were brewing. They had one that said OE. Uh, a lot of beer came out of that brewery. They also um, – one of the last times when I was up there in Portland, they were back to brewing um, – their post-prohibition beer 
that besides the, the private reserve, the private reserve was sort of upscale from the other ones they were doing. They did, and I forget it was what it was called, but they were brewing the same recipe that they brewed after Prohibition, that which another different flavor profile that's interesting. I think Acme, uh, that's brewed by um, North Coast and Fort Bragg mm-hmm. now, does the same sort of thing. Acme was a big regional brewery in Northern California that went away in the late 60s. And uh, Lost Coast Brewing, brewing under the Acme label, does another beer. It's a really interesting to taste these things of what the American-style Pilsner lagers were like right after Prohibition and what they became by the 70s and 80s. But yeah, this is a great beer. And the other the other little gimmick they have is the, the, the bottling. Bottling, the bottling number. number. I love that bottling number. And I remember in college, back in uh, uh, when Reagan was president, um, everybody's like, oh, the new bottling's out. Exactly. And they're up. I'm surprised it's only 151, but I think it was probably in the 40s or su- 50s. When when I first tasted it, it was, it was 56. I remember that to that day, it was 56. <laughs> it was, in 1970, it was 56. And I'm surprised they haven't gone any, any higher than, they, than they've gone. But uh, it's still always fun to say, what, what bottling are they at now? Yeah. <laughs> it's another way just to say that this product is unique. And, of course, the uh, unique in another way is even though the label, uh, the product is owned by SAB Miller, the largest uh, brewing corporation, in the world, the world, world, world. Uh, it's also that's con- very earth centric to say world because it's, there are a lot of galaxies out there, and they might be brewing beer. That's possibly it's true. Different W A I R L E D. But uh, they are as as much as I have for or against S. E. B. Miller, one way or the other. Uh, they did not deign to con to do it themselves. They uh, found the struggling. Brew pub or, or brewery in Hood, Oregon, uh, full sale, and asked them to do it for them. So again, they're a big conglomerate, yet they're throwing a bone to a smaller same, competitor. And the cool thing is, you know what? This this is the same recipe. It tastes exactly like I remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also wouldn't say that uh, full sale struggling. I'd say they had capacity. No, no, no. But I mean, a lot of a lot of the place. It's but I find I find just the fact that what was a micro grew up and is now brewing what was the big mm-hmm. the big brewery in the region and that's sort of like the whole shift in But it's nice to it's gone. nice to see that a, a big conglomerate is not uh, pushing somebody out of the way that they're uh, allowing them they're, they're asking for their assistance. That's what I like about the whole idea. So we're going to take a break for um, just a motor. For, no, we're going to take a break <laughs> because everybody has to uh, you know Think about things. Think about things. Quietly. 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 Alone. To themselves. <laughs> to themselves. And uh, we'll be right back in, well, three, two, two one. one. <laughs> 